0: this is the last sunday of this year and what a year it's been this is has been my first year as the official senior pastor and i felt like i've had a tiger by the tail a year ago right now i was uh, flat on my back just having had back surgery the year started out uh, i think uh, grandly we had a wonderful women's conference in february in March, we sent a bunch of high school kids down to Mexico on a project to minister down there. April, we had one of the, the, the just the richest, richest Easter celebrations that I can remember as a church, celebrating our, our Lord's resurrection. The week right after that was Senior High Sunday. We had the, um, the celebration of, of the ride. I don't know if you remember that program. What a, what a treat that was, how fun it was. In the very next Sunday, we went from the, the high of these celebrations to the intense grief of having discovered that one of our pastors and elders was caught in a, a deep sin. Our attention as a, as a body immediately focused on, on helping those who, uh, who were, were harmed and hurt by that, uh, um, especially helping the school family and the children of the body. God was faithful. Uh, teaching us an awful lot through this time, lessons we're still learning. He, uh, I think, moved uh, deeply, moved powerfully among the elders to to seek Him, to pray more aggressively, to step into leadership within the body in even stronger ways. We've hired three new pastoral staff in this last year. Uh, Ken Hunter, leading the the, uh, school ministry for the year. Uh, Mike Nielsen, taking the reins of our children's ministry, um, Brian Grant stepping into the, to the leadership of our missions programs. And as the, the, the staff has been adjusting to all of these changes, all of these transitions, it feels like the enemy just keeps throwing attacks at us and one after another in the lives of the staff and the elders and people within the body. It feels like these, these attacks on, on health and on families, on life, just are relentless, At times it has felt almost crushing. But God has been faithful. Uh, He's continued to call people to himself through individual relationships with folks in the body, through the ministries of the church. The ministries are thriving. Uh, The the saints have stepped up and done the work of the ministry. Uh, The uh, youth groups are growing. There's a new excitement in the children's ministry. The women's ministries are flourishing. And like Peter said, there's been celebration. This uh, Advent celebration really seemed to, to, to center us deeply in our Lord. Our, our uh, Christmas program, Code Red, you know, what a delight, what a joy, what a testimony to the community. Our, uh, like Peter said last Tuesday night, just our, our, our Christmas Eve celebration what a What a wonderful kind of culmination for preparing our hearts for the coming of that little baby who is our our joy, our peace, our hope, our very lives. Like I said, God has been faithful. I look back and I stand in awe of him. He has taken us through. So much. I am so proud and grateful for the leadership he's given this church, for the elders, for the staff, for the leaders within the volunteer leaders within each ministry. I am so proud and grateful for this congregation. I could just burst. I look out and realize how God is using so many of you in such profound ways as you as you make yourselves available to him and let him use you to love people. I get excited about what God's going to do. You know, when, when I consider all the, that we've been through, you know, one would think the church would have collapsed. I've seen churches go through far less trauma and transition and, and, and gone through much uh, more confusion as a result. The attendance usually drops off. The giving disappears. The, the, the uh, ministries just kind of pull in and try to survive. The mood gets depressed. But that is not what God has done here. It's been so different from that. He has purged us. He has purified us. Not that that process is over. That process is never over because God is constantly loving us, constantly changing us, constantly teaching us, training us, leading us. So that process continues. But in the midst of it, this body has grown. The giving has been such a blessing the 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 uh, mood here. There have been times of intense grief, heartache what, uh, of what's happened in people's lives, in people's families, people's health. But there's also not been any discouragement. There's been an underlying sense of expectation about what God is doing, what wonderful thing is He up to. Like I said, God has has blessed us. Profoundly, And I've got to tell you, if we are growing through the midst of all of this transition and, and, and trauma, now that we're on this side of it all, and there's no, uh, no telling what wonderful things God is going to do. I get so excited I can't hold it in. I can't help but conclude that he is doing wonderful things. That as we go into this new year, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I get the feeling that God is on the move and we are set to follow. I get the picture of the cloud beginning to move and we are ready to break camp, and follow behind it. So as we get ready for this next year, uh, there's a, a couple of things I just want us to think about. Some things that I want us to hold on to as we go with God. About two years ago, the elders uh, developed a new mission statement for this church. There's copies of it in the back rack. They're always back there if you want one. But the basic mission statement goes like this. Because we are committed to the Lordship of Christ and to His Word, our fundamental mission is to keep the great commandment and fulfill the great commission. All the the rest of the details of this document really flow Out of that. And as you know, the great commandment is thou shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. See, that is our most basic, our most fundamental mission. To fall in love with God. To love Him profoundly. And flowing out of that love, we want to obey Him by fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The Great Commission. Turn with me to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. In your bulletins it says 18 through 28. The chapter only goes to verse 20. In fact, that's the end of the book. That's the last verses in Matthew. As far as Matthew's account is concerned, these are Jesus' parting words. These are the last things he had to say to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So this is his final charge, his instructions to them and therefore to us. I want to look at these verses, not in a a real comprehensive way. Uh, Someday I'd love to just take maybe a four-week series on these verses. There's so much here. But I want to look at these in relationship to who we are as a church and where we're going. Hopefully in that process uh, that that, that we can see what this means about our priorities as a church. Help us see ourselves and, and our mission as a church more clearly and perhaps even see your own personal life's mission in these terms as well let me just read these verses and jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you surely i am with you always to the very end of the age Jesus starts with some facts. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Basically, he's saying, listen, I am in charge in heaven and on earth, so here's what we're going to do. Here is the plan. You see, in all of the created world, in every realm, in heaven, where spiritual beings are, on earth, where physical beings are, Jesus is in charge. He has all authority. He is the boss. Now, it's true that there are beings in both heaven and on earth who do not submit themselves willingly to that authority. And for this era in history, Jesus is allowing that rebellion to continue. But he has the authority to put an end to it whenever he chooses, when the time Is right, and in the meantime, he remains sovereign, in control, allowing only those things which will ultimately fit his plan. In fact, let me just take a a half a second to say something about the sovereignty of God, free will of men. It's it's a confusing issue to a lot of people, but basically, the reality is God is. Sovereign, He has absolute authority. The Lord has that absolute authority. But He has chosen to allow humans to have free will. But it's important for you to understand that that free will applies only to the heart, to the choosing, to the decisions, not to the execution. You see... Man has the freedom to choose, to love God or to hate Him, to be selfish, to be selfless. We can make choices, but God controls what choices are allowed to come out of the heart, into action, into words. He only allows those to come out, to be, to be expressed, that fit ultimately into His greater plan. Not every intention of the heart is allowed to come into action. As a result, man still is accountable for the decisions that we make, the choices we make, yet we can rest absolutely assured that nothing enters into our lives other than what God has allowed and that fits into his ultimate good plans for us. Anyway, back to the point. Jesus said, I am in charge here in heaven and on earth. Here is the plan. This is what we're going to do. Go and make disciples of all people. The basic command, the basic mission is to go and make disciples of all people. Now if your boss came up to you and he said, okay, listen very carefully. I am the boss. I want to be clear about this. This is the basic mission for everyone in this company. Listen to this. You better, listen, you better pay attention. This is it. He's the boss and this is the direction the company's going. If you don't pay attention, you may be spending all of your energy, all of your attention on something that isn't the priority and you may very well be looking for a new job soon. Well, the boss of the universe has just come to us and he said, everywhere, in heaven and on earth, this is job one. For the next few thousand years, I want this to be the priority. Making disciples. So people, these are our marching orders. This is what we are to be about. Making disciples. He says that we are to make disciples of all nations. Literally, uh, it would be better translated, all nationalities. In, uh, in um, the, the passage where the angel comes to the shepherds and announces the good news for all people. It's the same word here. It's not talking about for every individual, but for all kinds of people, all nationalities, all ethnic groups. See, Jesus came to be the Savior for all types of people, all ethnic groups. Jesus expanded God's chosen people from just being the Jews and anybody who came to Israel to become a Jew. Jesus sent out His followers to go seek out people from every background, every ethnic origin, all kinds of people, to enfold them, to bring them into the fold. Jesus is to be the Savior for all the world. Now, there are a couple of important uh, implications of this that I want us to realize. First of all, this is what's behind our missions priority here at Cole. We take this statement, this command very seriously to, to, to send people out, to raise them up and send them from here to other lands, to other peoples. Our uh, uh, together uh, as a church we carry the responsibility. As, as individuals in the church, we each have a part to play in the sending, in the, in the supporting, in the praying, in the going. All with the mission of making disciples. So, so this is the foundation and the motivation behind our strong missions emphasis here at Cole. The other thing I want to point out is that the uh, all people includes the people of Boise, Idaho. Includes the people sitting in this room. In fact, people sitting in this room are some of the most exotic of the all peoples. You know, it cracks me up. We take somebody like the Mannings. We raise them up, we send them out way over there, overseas, to the very ends of the earth. Are they at the ends of the earth? The Mannings live within a hundred miles of where Jesus was when he made these statements. They're not the ones that are at the ends of the earth. We are on the other side of the world. We're about as far away as you can get. We're on the ends of the earth. And, and most of us are descendants of tribes of people that, that really weren't even discovered by the civilized world by, when, when this was said. See, we in Boise, Idaho, are those all people at, at the end of the earth. And that, that gets to, to to my main point. We here, Boiseido, in this room, in, in in this church, as individuals, this is what we are to be about. This is our priority. Being and making disciples. What is that? Well how how do you do that? Well Jesus gives us two steps in that process in the passage we're looking at. But before we talk about that, let me just even try to fill in what a disciple is. In, in both the uh, Greek philosophical system and the Jewish rabbinical system, a disciple was basically a student. The, the, the Greek philosophers had young men who would follow them around to, to listen and to learn what the teacher had to say about life and about philosophy and truth. These young men would pay, <coughs> excuse me, pay the teacher a fee. And they would agree to listen and to learn from that teacher, to obey everything, all the instructions that that teacher gives. In fact, obedience is the key responsibility of a disciple. Obedience so that the teacher could effectively impart his knowledge to the disciple. And realize some of these teachers were very demanding. They would demand that the disciple give up all earthly possessions. They would demand all kinds of things of these disciples. And these challenges were an integral part of the learning process. Remember a story about a young man who wanted to follow a certain teacher? Came to the teacher. A teacher was standing on the bank of a river. And he approached the teacher. He said, Master, may I speak with you? teacher didn't say anything he just walked out into the middle of the river the young man was kind of confused didn't know what to do stood there for a while and then thought well you know, I've come a long ways I'm not going to give up that easy so he sloshed out there in the river waiting out there following the, the, the teacher and he said master I have traveled far to be your disciple may I follow you the teacher didn't say anything he just reached his hand out and gently put it on the young man's head and pushed his head under the water Uh, The young man kind of submissively allowed himself to be pushed underwater, kind of wondering what was going on. After a few seconds, he started getting a little uncomfortable. So he gently tried to lift his head, but the master's hand was was firm. So he tried to stay quiet a little longer. But after a little while, not very long at all, his lungs started burning. He needed air. and, And so he started pushing a little more aggressively. Started uh, squirming a little, and pretty soon he's thrashing and flailing. He doesn't care about being anybody's disciple anymore. He cares about air. He thinks he's going to drown. And at the last minute, when he thinks his lungs are going to burst, he's going to die. The teacher pulls his head above water, and he's gasping for air. And when he finished sputtering and choking, the teacher looked at him and he said, When you want knowledge as badly as you wanted air just now, come back and see me. That's discipleship. It's a total commitment. It, it is a, an entrusting of oneself, one's life, one's future to the teacher. It, it is far more intimate, far more involved, far more vulnerable than, than a mere student. And we become disciples of Jesus. We are entrusting him with our total self, with our lives, with our futures. We, we are choosing to, to become intimate with Him, involved with Him, vulnerable to Him, trusting Him enough to obey Him completely. Now let me, let me make one more point about discipleship before we look at the steps that Jesus outlines for us. When we talk about making disciples, we've got to be very clear. We're talking about making disciples of Jesus. We're not talking about some Bible teacher, some pastor, some elder, making disciples of themselves. Paul is very clear on this in 1 Corinthians. He said, we are not disciples of Paul or of Peter or of Apollos. We are each one disciples of Jesus directly. We don't entrust ourselves to anyone else that completely. However, out of respect for him, in obedience to him, we submit ourselves to each other as part of that process, as part of his instructions and his plans. So how do we make disciples of Jesus? Well, back again to our passage. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The two steps of disciple-making are baptizing and teaching. Those are the two parts of the process. Both are absolutely essential. Baptizing is introducing people into a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't think here Jesus is talking just about the formal rite of baptism. In those days, when somebody wanted to become a Christian, they did it by being baptized. Today, if somebody wants to become a Christian, typically what we'll do is we'll pray a prayer with them, inviting Jesus into their hearts. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But realize that's not how the apostles would have done it. When somebody wanted to meet Jesus personally, the apostles immediately started looking for water to baptize them. Now, we know from the teaching of Scripture that the water itself doesn't do anything, really. But it is a a wonderful, an effective illustration, a, a, a picture of what happens when we are baptized into Christ. The symbolism is very rich The word baptized simply means to place into. That's what the word means. So when when someone is placed into water, covered with water, immersed in water, it's a picture of what happens spiritually when we are placed into Christ. We are covered with Him. We are immersed in Him. We're so identified with Him that throughout Scripture we're referred to as being in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. And when you are in Christ... When you're that identified with him, the heart of the gospel is that what's true of Christ becomes true of you. Jesus is God's son and you are immersed. You are covered in him. Therefore, you are sons of God. Jesus is righteous and you are covered in him. Therefore, you're treated, viewed as righteous. Jesus has absolute, free, unrestrained access to the Father at all times. Therefore, you have free, unrestrained, unlimited access to the Father at all times because you are covered in Him. See, so having been baptized into Christ, that has been placed into Him, what's true of Him is now true of you. So the first step in making disciples is baptizing someone in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is introducing them to the one who is worthy to, to, to be trusted with the entire life. It is, it's their salvation. It's the new life. Without this one cannot be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is very clear about that. Without this rebirth There is no life. And all of the training, all of the teaching in the world won't ultimately do a person any good. So the very first step in the disciple-making process is, is, is leading someone to Christ. And the second part of it, the second half, is teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So first is baptizing, second is teaching Now, this is a teaching church. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's where we we put the emphasis on teaching the Word. All of the ministries of, of this church, when we gather on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings, in the children's ministry, in the youth ministries, in the women's ministries, in the men's ministries, in the growth groups, in the study center, all straight across the board, We put emphasis on teaching the Word. Why? Because we want to be a cerebral church, kind of an intellectual church? Not at all. We do this because disciples are made by teaching the Word. We also recognize that teaching the Word is how we are fed spiritually spiritually. It's the avenue by which we see God more clearly and come to know Him intimately. Those are all part of that process of becoming a true disciple. We teach the Word because disciples are made by teaching. Every ministry of this church, our goal is obedience. Notice, it isn't just teaching. It is teaching to obey everything I have commanded you. the goal is the goal of our teaching here is obedience. And this is critically important. You know, so much of the trauma that we have been through as a church over the last couple of years has come because people don't obey what they 've been taught it 's not an issue of knowledge it 's an issue of obedience. Most of us do not lack knowledge. What we lack is obedience. Our goal is obedience in all of our our ministries. Our culture seems to work against obedience. Against us being obedient. It wants to teach us to be disobedient. We come to church for uplifting words. We come to church for emotional encouragement, to feel good about ourselves spiritually. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, but that isn't the goal of our teaching. The goal of our teaching, again, in every ministry of this church, is that you become real disciples of Jesus. That you obey Him. Obedience is a hard word for our culture, but it is a critically important word. James, in his letter, says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We spend 35 minutes every time we gather. We spend 35 minutes in the word. Not just to encourage you, though we want to encourage you. Not just to, to make you feel better spiritually, though we want you to feel better spiritually. Again, our goal is to teach you to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And notice, Jesus commands things. He doesn't just suggest them. Without embarrassment, Jesus commands. He says words that he expects and intends for us to obey. Even when we don't want to. Even when it's hard. Even when it doesn't feel good. He is the Lord. All authority in heaven and earth is His. Obey Him. I want you to hear this clearly and not miss this. We teach to help you understand so that you can obey Him. That is our mission. To teach People to obey all that Jesus has commanded. That is our call. Absolute radical obedience. Now having heard that, I want you to hear this as well. We teach the word of His grace. Because we recognize that we want this obedience to come out of your love for Him. Not out out of a cowering fear. We want it to be a product of you having been loved by Him and wanting to return that love. And you seeing His grace, what He has done for you, what He will do in you and for you. We teach the word of His grace. We teach the word of faith because we want that obedience to come from faith. That you really do trust Him. That you've chosen to believe Him even when it doesn't feel safe. We do not want that obedience to be an attempt to earn His love. If that's why you're obeying, it will kill you spiritually. He already loves you. That's why He sent His Son to die for you. And in Christ, you are absolutely loved. We don't want that obedience to be an attempt to earn your salvation. That's why baptism comes first. You are saved by grace through faith. That's a gift, not of works. See, the salvation comes first, completely independent of the obedience, purely by His grace. We don't want this uh, obedience to be an attempt to to, to gain a a, a secure self-image. We want you to have a good self-image. But if your self-image is based on your performance, it will crumble. Your self-image can only be based on the fact that Jesus loves you. He died to prove that. We don't want this obedience to be self-effort. If if all it is is a product of you gritting your teeth and doing it, that will contaminate and spoil you and this whole body. No, when you were placed into Christ, you received His life in you. And we want this obedience to be the outworking of His life The Spirit of God is at work to bring this about in you. It is not something you can do for yourself. It's something that must be done in total dependence on Him. We uh, don't want this obedience to be perfectionism. You see, Jesus' blood covers all of our sin, all of our failure. There is no condemnation for those who, who are in Christ Jesus. And it is as we embrace that radical acceptance that He loves us just the way we are, that He, by His grace, frees us to obey. You see, we want you to understand true obedience. We want you to understand spiritual dynamics. But still, our goal, what we are seeking, is your obedience to Jesus. That's still what we are after. We seek an obedience that comes because we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. We seek an obedience that it, 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 it is, is displayed, it manifests itself in loving our neighbors as ourselves. We seek an obedience that is the fruit of Christ's life in us, bearing fruit as we abide in Him and His words abide in us. We seek an obedience that comes from faith, and faith comes from hearing the Word of God. You see, that's who we are. That's what we are about. That's where we are going. We are going to make disciples. That's our, our mission. That's our call. To baptize people of all kinds, of all varieties and nationalities. And to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. That is our mission. That's where God's taking us. Now, if you have never come into Christ, never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, let us baptize you. If you are in Christ... For this year, as we enter in the new year, make it your personal mission, your personal goal, to become a disciple of His. May we, each one, want to obey Him as badly as we want our next breath of air. See, again, that's where we are going. If that isn't where you're going, you may not like it here much this year, we will still love you and accept you. But we're moving. That's where we're going. Come with us. Come to him. Come and be a disciple. Jesus finished by saying, I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, that's the fact that we are counting on. That he is going with us. He is going before us. He is leading us in to these things. Faithful is he who called you. And he will do it. That's our confidence. Let's pray. Lord, we do uh, confess that so often we don't act like disciples. Uh, We act like distant acquaintances. We uh, don't pay attention to what uh, you're instructing. We don't pay attention to where you're going. And Lord, we want to repent of that. But we want to trust you. We want to listen to you. We acknowledge that we cannot do this on our own. That it is only by your grace, only by your power, only by the renewal of your spirit that these things can happen. But we know that you are capable. We know you're that good. And so we put our confidence in you. Make us true disciples. Help us to choose in our hearts to trust you, to follow you, to obey you. I pray this in your name. Amen.